Benghazi, 10 years later. Let's talk about that. Instead of focusing on winning arguments, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and marketing and how we can use them to win in the world of politics, teaching you how to meet people where they're at on the issues they care about. Welcome to The Brian Nichols Show. Well, happy Monday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show, and thank you for joining us. And of course, another fun-filled episode. I am, as always, your humble host, joining you live from our Stratus IP studios here in lovely eastern Indiana. Don't let cyber attacks or outdated business technology put your company at risk. Learn more at briannicholsshow.com forward slash Stratus IP, Stratus IP, business technology simplified. Benghazi, 10 years later. Well, at this point, what difference does it make? A lot, some may say. And that's uh, exactly what we're going to go ahead and discuss today, because even though It was 10 years ago. A lot of the things that took place in Benghazi, both in terms of how it impacted our national politics, but how it also impacted our foreign affairs, is still impacting us today. Joining us today is author and also someone who was uh, boots on the ground, Ethan Chorin, joining us today on The Brian Nichols Show. Ethan, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for bringing some context here to the, uh, the show today as we discuss... Benghazi, 10 years later, but first, do us a favor, introduce your, uh, yourself here to the Brian Nichols Show audience, specifically your role as it pertains to uh, Benghazi back in 2012. Well, uh, I was a uh, diplomat in, early, uh, in the early 2000s, posted to Libya when we, the United States first started re-engaging with Colonel Muammar Gaddafi, who's a figure that many may remember from the 80s, 90s, and, and before is a, a very colorful uh, dictator in the Middle East, who uh, uh, most notoriously was involved with the um, uh, Lockerbie uh, bombing in, in 1988, which again is back in the news today, uh, the last couple of days, but maybe we could get to that a little bit later. Um, I uh, say my background is in international affairs. I was trained as an economist and spent much of my career in the Middle East. Um, after leaving, the, I, I was in the Foreign Service for about five years, and um, uh, half of that time was in, was posted to to, um, to Libya, um, and um, after the um, I, I I then went on to other postings in the region and uh, um, left the foreign service after again about five years and wound up in Dubai working for a multinational um, on things that were somewhat quite a bit different. Um, and in that context, the Arab Spring erupted, the series of, of, uh, of uprisings against uh, various Middle East regimes that started in late 2010 and continued on for the, for the course of the next few years. Um, and in that context, I was looking, I, I never thought I'd go be, be, be back to Libya so soon, but I, I found myself pulled uh, back to the city of Benghazi when the uprising uh, Start first started there in in February of uh, 2011, um, and uh, a uh, Libyan American colleague of mine uh, uh, and I decided, uh, somewhat not exactly on a lark, but um, uh, sort of precipitously, that we would uh, go back to Benghazi, and there was an opportunity for us to try to pull in American. Uh, uh, medical capacity, uh, to technology, and know-how into uh, into a country that had, where the United States had just uh, just intervened uh, to save the city of Benghazi from uh, a an expected uh, 
attack by, uh, by, by Colonel Gaddafi. And in that context, we spent about a year um, pulling in a, a number of U.S. Uh, teaching hospitals uh, and trying to build uh, build capacity, um, particularly in terms of management expertise and, and technology. And in that context, uh, we... Um, we um, Apologies. <laughs> oh, no, the dogs a, like to join the show every now and then. It's fine. Don't worry at all. Actually, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you a true story as you're, you're going there. Um, when we had a one episode where we had a guest and she had a woodpecker on her, uh, her door. So <laughs> we've had all sorts of animals join us. It's like a zoo here at the show. No, continue. It's a bit of comic relief. Now. <laughs> um, so, um, in any case, uh, this is the context in which, um, I, I was, uh, became, I was in Benghazi during the attack in 2012 on, on the anniversary of, of 9-11. Um, and, uh, so the uh, the environment uh, leading up to the attack was quite uh, quite the the security situation was deteriorating rapidly, uh, and I had a very uh, ominous feeling about about that trip. We we were in a situation where we essentially had to present ourselves in Benghazi in order to uh, to take care of some final arrangements on a on a contract that was quite important for. Um, say what we what we had worked for over the course of the previous year and and moving forward and it was a situation in which uh, we felt if if we sort of gave up this up window of opportunity that uh the chances of restarting it um, might be slim and i think actually ambassador stevens who was one of the four tragically killed in in that uh in that attack uh on the us mission, mission uh, in benghazi uh, faced a similar dilemma. I think he was, uh, and that is something that is is uh, is not very well known to the to the general public. I think Ambassador Stevens was uh, somewhat indirectly criticized in the hearings and the investigations following the attack for perhaps being uh, a bit too um, adventurous, taking too many too many risks uh, that he put himself in harm's way, and that there wasn't really a significant reason for that. And I, I in the book uh, that I've, I've, that I've, I've written um, about about sort of reassessing the attack and its context, that's one of the sort of major sort of uh, issues that, that that around which I think the American public didn't really get the full story at the time. Um, but uh, perhaps you can uh, we can again get back come back to that a little yeah. bit. Well, and really um, quick, and as, uh, I wanted to pause really quick there because I think you just raised up a really interesting point. It did have long-term implications when you look at our American political discourse here at home too. And there was a lot of, I think, of that politicization that took away from what actually took place and a lot of the stuff that was missed. And I think that is specifically why having you being able to outline this today is so important because a lot of folks only have that memory of the politicized event. They don't have the the breakdown of actually what happened. So I think that's exactly why what we're talking about today is so pertinent when you're talking about this 10 years later. Yes. Well, um, I think what, there, there, are two, there are two spheres. I mean, the, the um, or may, may I approach it this way. The, 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 there's something that I sort of call the, the Benghazi paradox, which mm. is that the, the, the attack uh, and, and the scandal that followed uh, generated an enormous amount of noise uh, in, in the United States. Uh, political recri- recriminations, much of it around, you know, who is responsible, whether it was the right, the left, uh, was the left uh, 
uh, covering something up uh, was the right uh, being uh, uh, essentially using the the attack as a as a means to uh, discredit and disable the, the presidential campaign of Hillary Clinton. Uh, all of that stuff basically just absorbed an enormous amount of media attention, and I think it's fair to say that the Benghazi scandal uh, was, uh, you know, one of the most sort of talked about events in modern, not, maybe not even modern, in, in American, you know, political history, uh, in just in terms of the sheer number of words and the sheer number of broadcasts dedicated to the, to to looking at this, uh, the evolution of this of this of uh, this issue. Um, but we really don't today, 10 years later, we really have no idea what uh, about sort of the the origins of the attack, the um, um, I mean, we have we, mainly the, the origins of the attack. We have some idea of what of what happened uh, uh, during the um, during the, the the attack itself. Um, but we also have very little idea of how this this um, uh, impacted uh, um, American domestic politics and uh, and also foreign, foreign foreign policy. So in the book, I go into great detail about the sort of the long the, the long backstory to how did we how did that attack occur, and, and it, it's really wound up in in uh, the sort of the, the long history of, of the original 9-11, uh, the attack uh, on Washington and New York that killed you know upwards of three thousand people and sparked the the Iraq War. I mean that that. Uh, that event and its precursors, uh, mainly the uh, the Afghan uh, American support for the Afghan mujahideen in in uh, uh, in, in the late seventies and early eighties, uh, all of these events are are, are connected. Um, and within that uh, that whole story, uh, there emerges a a, a group of, of Libya, Libyan uh, radical fighters who again traveled to Afghanistan in the late eighties. Mainly as a means of acquiring the uh, the expertise and technical knowledge to overthrow um, Colonel Gaddafi back home in Libya, um, and they wind up becoming sort of protagonists in a in a process of uh, of trying to uh, um, uh, well they become, they become politi- major political uh, uh, actors and military actors within uh, Libya and. Uh, uh, that story is, is is rather complicated, but it touches on the the process of extraordinary rendition, where the United States tracked down and delivered back to several countries uh, following 9/11 uh, radicals who uh, they suspected of being uh, connected to, uh, to Osama bin Laden, etc. Um, and then following that, there was a sort of a flip in policy where we at least um, uh, uh, partially tried to, to see if we could. Um, uh, rehabilitate, rehabilitate, rehabilitate some of these these individuals um, and and sort of fold them into a process of of, of reforming a reform uh, such as went on with uh, with with Muammar Gaddafi after after the U.S. agreement with him in two thousand three. I don't know if this is, if I'm <laughs> no this is, this is helpful and and I guess that goes to my my next question and that is and you were kind of doing a nice way of lining this up is the domino effect, right? Of the things that happened in the past impacting the things in the future and where we are today, fast forward 10 years. I would like to see if you have maybe some of the things from a a foreign perspective, like a foreign policy perspective that we're still feeling the echoes of from that domino falling back in 2012. 
In the world of wine, there are so many choices, and that's why Blood of Tyrants Wine has tyrants losing their heads. Whether you're looking for a new go-to at home or want to impress your friends at a party, Blood of Tyrants Wine has you covered. And if you're trying to get rid of some pesky tyrants in your life, well, we've got that covered too. Head to briannicholshow.com forward slash wine and get $5 off your order. One more time, briannicholshow.com forward slash wine. Free men don't ask permission, so take a sip. You'll be glad you did. Well, I mean... It, there's another way of sort of paraphrasing this with respect to, well, first, there's the domestic uh, issue. I think that the Benghazi attack created a, uh, uh, was sort of the kindling for a, a an American polariz- political polarization that uh, went beyond anything that one could really expect uh, to come out of, you know, a, um, on, on the surface of it, to come out of a an attack on a remote United States post, even given the fact that uh, an U.S. ambassador uh, and three other um, uh, diplomats were were, were killed, um, the the uh, that um, that event, I, I, as I explain in the book, there are se- several features of the attack itself that lent uh, itself to being politicized. Um, and and a lot of it had to do with it, with, the, with its connections with the original 9/11. The fact that it occurred on the the anniversary of of, of 9/11. The fact that mm-hmm. um, that uh, it was a uh, you know that that we had obviously a, a death first death of, of a U.S. ambassador since the since the 70s, but also all of the other political issues that came along with um, 9/11 and the emphasis on protecting the American homeland and and security and identity issues uh, and. Uh, very significantly, the fact that the attack occurred in the last lap before the uh, uh, the 2012 election. So immediately, there's this context for uh, uh, politicization. And in addition to that, you also have the fact that uh, social media was evolving uh, at this mm-hmm. point, uh, very very in, in ways that weren't really quite fully understood by the political community and even the media. Um, so you had. Uh, um, I, and I think I, I spoke, interviewed with a number of social media. Uh, Sort of uh, experts, trend followers at the time that 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 argue that uh, had Benghazi occurred, at, you know, a few months uh, before or some other time than right then, the the uh, the sort of silo effect of of, uh, of scandal, the fact that it, it became such a lightning rod for pushing people to the extremes, might not have been so so pronounced. Hmm. Um, but getting back into your questions about about effects, I think that directly from that, you know, I think. Uh, the Benghazi scandal uh, morphed in from the question of who was responsible and whether there was a, a so-called cover-up of, of facts related to the attack into things like Hillary Clinton's emails. If you remember, that was uh, uh, an issue around whether Clinton, uh, the fact that, that Secretary of State Clinton used a private um, uh, server for her uh, work email, emails. <laughs> this is really unfortunate. <laughs> um, it's A-OK. We've had worse things. <laughs> so, um, so we, so we have, uh, you know, essentially, by the time the election came around, you, you had the Benghazi attack morphed into um, other other scandals, which which sort of detracted from the fact that uh, where the where the momentum first started. So, um, you know, it's interesting when I interviewed senior uh, Obama. Um, uh, administration officials uh, many years later and asked them what was the, you know, how, how did they rate the impact of Benghazi on uh, American, uh, on the 2016 election, four years later. 
um, and they, they rated very high. And, and that's, uh, there's, there's a sort of a retroactive sense that, in fact, Benghazi was a, a major, uh, if not, in fact, the major um, force behind the, the election of Donald Trump. Um, and that goes to, again, the sort of the polarization, the, the, um, the fact that uh, the email uh, scandal or uh, pseudo scandal, depending on your, your point of view, came out of the Benghazi uh, attack and the investigation into it. The, uh, the FBI, uh, James Comey director statements about that, uh, that seemed to suggest that, uh, that Clinton uh, was under, um, uh, you know, was going to be uh, 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 a, if she were elected, would be under uh, a criminal investigation re- with, with, with relation to, to the emails. The fact that the Russian cyber attacks themselves employed um, uh, a variety of means and, and uh, uh, um, uh, attack, uh, attack uh, uh, material that, that, could, that was used as feedstock for their, for their uh, internet campaigns. All of these things played a role in, in, uh, in, in the election. And I think because we were so distracted and because as a, as a country we were pushed, each of us, each side, the left and the right, to our own political narratives around Benghazi, we, it's almost like the scandal sort of ate itself up and, and left, no, left no trace. So we were left with this idea that, in fact, none of that really happened or never, never or didn't really matter. There were other things that were more pressing. We sort of moved on into this ever accelerating uh, 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 hunger for new, new, new material, new scandals um, that sort of almost like, you know, the, the men in black, you know, uh, things where you, you, you erase people's memory. Um, and we, we, we haven't since, since, you know, that then thrust us into the whole period of the Trump uh, presidency and, and, uh, uh, uh you know the, the pace of American politics and uh, and and um, and the sort of emotionality, but has just increased. Um, so you have so you have that that sort of effect. We're all obsessed with, or certainly the, the mainstream media has been obsessed for the last uh, several uh, several months, if not years, with uh, with uh, with the personality of Trump and whether you know and 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 views of him on both sides, right? But we we we've we've sort of forgotten what's come before. And then, with respect to foreign policy, you had in the in the wake of of, of the Benghazi attack a um, a uh, uh, what has been described by again many, many uh, uh, senior officials uh, with whom I've I've, I've, I've inter- interviewed for the book this this sense of um, uh, a profound risk aversion that um, nobody wanted to this sort of the whole climate of the Arab Spring and whether the United States was going to intervene more deeply in places like Syria, what it was going to do about Yemen, where the uh, where another uh, sort of significant rebellion was was uh, was underway, uh, increasingly with the support of Iran, all of these things. And, and then, you know, what was going on with Russia? There was just this sense, overall sense that that now, more than ever, the United States was just not willing, and the Obama administration was not willing to uh, to take significant risks uh, on behalf of uh, and and you know Libya became Benghazi became sort of a symbol of the fact that the one place where we did intervene, Libya, was uh, had turned out to be uh, um, not produce the, the the positive results that we that, that we hoped for. So we would and and. Washington as a whole was afraid that if if, if uh, um, uh, actions were taken on the ground uh, abroad, that these would would uh, and that, that things didn't go well, that this would 
this would result in yet another series of committees that would uh, call uh, witnesses to testify and, and, and just generate more, more of the sort of, sort of the spectacle that uh, the Benghazi attack did. So I think that had a huge impact on, on just sort of the United States general posture towards the Middle East as a whole. Uh, and and indirectly, uh, our major adversaries who are looking at the Middle East as a uh, as a playing field in which uh, any retreat from the, on the part of the United States could be an opportunity to put their their foot uh, forward uh, at our expense. So you had uh, you know that that applies to Russia first first and foremost, perhaps, and and China, and certainly a number of uh, extreme uh, extremist groups that. Uh, Say use the Benghazi attack as a as a signal to come in and force, and uh, in fact, you know, one of the first casualties of this was that Libya and eastern Libya fell to uh, to allies of Al Qaeda and uh, and later the Islamic State, um, which probably would not have happened, or at least not have happened so swiftly had had the Benghazi attack not occurred. Well, Ethan, we are unfortunately already hard pressed for time, which means the audience knows it's time for our final. Thoughts, and uh, I'll go ahead and kick things off here, and that is, folks, tis the season to be merry, and with that being said, yeah, actually, today is the last day, today is the last day that you can go ahead and get things ordered over at the shop, briannicholshow.com forward slash shop, if you want to guarantee it will be in time for Christmas, so again, if you want to go ahead and get that awesome gift for the liberty lover, that freedom fanatic in your life, we have t-shirts, backpacks, yard signs, and more, head to briannicholshow.com forward slash shop and use code TBNS at checkout. Again, today is the last day, so we're airing here Monday the 12th. If you want to see those gifts guaranteed at your doorstep to give to your loved ones for the holidays, make sure you go ahead and get things ordered by the end of the day today. That's my final thoughts. Ethan, what do you have for us? Well, if you if you haven't start, if, uh, reached capacity with with, with your your gifts, uh, my, my book uh, is uh, called Benghazi: The uh, A New History of the uh, Fiasco That Pushed America and Its and Its World to the Brink. And, and the book yeah. itself is not burnt; that's just the cover. Yes, uh, the gra- graphic artists had uh, had a bit of a go with that. There um, you go. Uh, yeah, I think the, the major the, the major. Takeaway here is that Benghazi really hasn't been done justice, not in the sense of who who was who was uh, responsible necessarily, but but uh, its its general context. I think the, the, the Americans have a sense that that, they w- that it was a massive waste of time that, that really doesn't merit any any additional uh, scrutiny. But there, uh, it's full of of of, of lessons for uh, for for how America is is both. Losing power in the modern era and, and, and ways in which it can prevent such a, a political blowout in the future. All right, folks. Well, if you got some value from today's episode, well, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and do me a favor. You know what it is. Give today's episode a share. And when you do, please go ahead and tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty. Ethan, where can folks go ahead and find you if they want to go ahead and continue the conversation? Uh, well, I have a I have a an author website, EthanChorinAuthor.com, uh, and I take uh, I have a newsletter, and I, I take uh, questions from people that I try to answer every uh, at the end of every month, uh, and uh, there's some giveaways along with that as well. So I'd love, love to hear from people. Awesome. Well, how about this, folks? We'll make it easy for you. We'll include all those links in the show notes. Now, there's uh, two different listeners we have here on the show, Ethan. We have 
our audio listener and we have our video listener. So for our video listener, yeah, hey, what's up guys? Video is found on YouTube, Rumble, and on Odyssey. If you're joining us here on video, please make sure you've hit that subscribe button and little notification bell so you don't miss a single time we go live. But then over to the audio listener, which I know is 95% of the other folks out there, uh, please go ahead, click the artwork in your podcast catcher. It'll bring you over to briannicholshow.com where you can find today's episode. You can find the entire transcript from today's episode, all the aforementioned links of today's episode, plus, ready for this, all 641 other episodes of the Brian Nichols Show. No wonder I've been so tired. Uh, And otherwise, folks, uh, if you've been getting value here from the Brian Nichols Show, well, you can go ahead and support the program one of two ways. You can either uh, become a supporting listener at $1.99 a month over at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support, or you can go ahead and support the show with a one-time PayPal donation. Either way, it goes right back into the show so we can have amazing guests here like Ethan to leave you what? educated, enlightened, and informed. And oh, by the way, before we go ahead and wrap things up, one last thing, folks. Did you know that we have our candidate school getting ready to get things kicked off here in the new year? Uh, if you are interested in running for office or you already are running for office for your local uh, election, please go ahead, sign up for our candidate school. We're going to show you the basics of how to win your election, how to do the basics of fundraising, messaging, and more. Head over to briannicholshow.com forward slash candidate school and sign up today for our candidate school 101. All right, that's all I have for you guys. Thank you for joining us. And with that being said, Ethan Choran joining us here on The Brian Nichols Show. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Enjoying the audio version of the show? Then you'll love our YouTube channel. Be sure to head over there and subscribe. And if you're new to The Brian Nichols Show, be sure to head to your favorite podcast catcher and click download all unplayed episodes so you don't miss one of our nearly 500 episodes that will be sure to leave you educated, enlightened, and informed. If you got value from today's episode, can you do me a favor and head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash support and leave us a $5 donation? And by the way, have you given the show a five-star review yet? If not, head to Apple Podcasts and tell folks why you listen to the program and don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe too. Follow me on social media at B Nichols Liberty. And again, if you'd be so kind, please consider making a donation to The Brian Nichols Show at briannicholsshow.com forward slash support. The Brian Nichols Show is supported by viewers like you. Thank you to our patrons, Daryl Schmitz, Michael Lima, Mitchell Mankiewicz, Cody Johns, Craig DaCosta, and the We Are Libertarians Network.